Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Someone was gracious to share their cold with me on uh, Christmas Eve services, so hoping my voice will last for this hour. But really glad as we begin 2019 to uh, share with you that we'll be doing Alpha again at the end of this month. And so excited because understand this, Alpha's been done all over the world. And the recurring reality is those who attend Alpha, hear the truth of the gospel, do so in the context of relationship around a meal, 80% of them having doing that, place faith in Christ. <clears throat> and so we're, we're excited. We had a huge group in 2017, uh, 2018 and, and praying that that will be true again this year. So I wonder if you'd take in the seat back in front of you this invitation out. Really, if each of you would grab one, I, th- I hope there's one for everyone in the seat back in front of you. <coughs> Excuse me. It it's <clears throat> simply talk, shows a picture of what would happen at an Alpha and then the information on the other side, uh, childcare available, the time, the place, it's free. <clears throat> but here's what I'd, I'd like for us to make this personal. So here's what I want you to do. Not outside of this city, but in this city, think of somebody in your circle of relationships, family, coworker, neighbor, somebody that's at the gym that you talk to right who doesn't yet have a relationship with God. Have somebody in mind? Because <clears throat> God has placed us, that's what's cool about the church. We're scattered all across this city. And so everywhere, wherever you're school, at work, there's folks in your life who don't yet know Christ. Would you, with one, one of those people, would you write their name on here? You just take a pen and pencil and write their name, uh, <clears throat> whether it's family or they're in this city though. You write their name on here. And I want you to write their name on there because this is just not theoretical in general and we get so much information, we don't often personalize it. So I want you to put a, a name, a real life to this opportunity and, and by writing it there, let it be a reminder to pray for. Because, you know, if you have a relationship with God, that was because God graciously opened your eyes. It's the work of God. And so you would pray that folk, that, that person, not People in general, that person, God would graciously open their eyes, okay? So you have a name, you write it there. I see some of you, not a little rock, just write their name there. And then here's the next step. Give them the invitation. Now, some of times they're like, okay, I was okay with praying, but uh, that, that freaks me out to give them an invitation because this, like, this is really hard. That, ooh, man, that's hard. No, giving an invitation is not hard. It's what we pressurize the invitation with. It's like this. I need to decide whether they'll say yes before I invite. No, you don't. Here would be my suggestion. You can do it your way if you want to do it a different way. Here's my suggestion. You write their name down on there. You pray for them. And then the next time you see them, because they're in their sphere, here's what you say to them. Hey, I heard about this and I thought about you. I thought you might want to attend. If not, no problem, but just wanted to give you the information. And they take it, and somebody gives you something, and you look at it, and you're like, I have zero interest. People give me books all the time, and I tell them, 
I'm probably not going to read that one. Okay? That's all right. <clears throat> so it, they may go, oh, okay, thanks. They'll be, probably be polite. They might ask you a question. Really? Well, why'd you think about me? Well, it just talks about a relationship with God. And I didn't know if that'd be something you'd be interested in. You don't, you don't have to decide for them whether they're going to attend or not. You're just going to give them an invitation. Because they may not attend, but then they may attend. Here's what I'm certain of. If you don't invite them, they won't attend. Right? That's the one we have the guarantee on. Everything else is then up to the Lord. So can we take this big pressure of, oh, I couldn't do it. I got to work myself up to invite. It's not that hard. Hey, I heard about this. I thought about you. I wondered maybe if you'd want to attend. If not, no problem. How many of you could do that? Ah, yes, you could. Any of you think you'll do it? All right, now we're talking. You guys are a lot better than second now. They're like, one guy goes. Yeah, I think we can do that. You just take the pressure off. What what was it at the end? I heard about this and I thought about you. Just wanted to invite you. If you want to come, not, no problem. Make it you but take the pressure off. Don't decide for them. You see, when our daughters, two of our daughters are married, we didn't invite people based on whether they thought they, we, they would come to the wedding. We invited people who we wanted to come. Now we didn't know they'd come or not. We invited people that we wanted to come and we could accommodate. <laughs> That's always the extra on that one. But we'll accommodate as many people as you invite. If you're not sure, uh, next Sunday, there's a thing called Taste of Alpha. We'll give you a a sense. I think there's a slide for that, but that's funny. I'm looking back there, and there's not a single person in the room back there. I am on my, oh, there is there. I have no idea. I'm blind. Uh, there should be a slide that shows a, a taste of Alpha. It's next Sunday, 11 o'clock, so you'd have to come to 9.30 service in order to do that. Okay, but it'll give you a, an idea of what Alpha would be like. How many in this room participated? And if you're over in South, raise your hand. If you did Alpha last, okay, put your hand up high. All right, maybe even better. If you wonder, look at the people who have their hands up in here and over in South, and you can ask them. That'd be another taste of Alpha. Oh, wow. Now, there's a, there's a really bold one right here. Okay. <laughs> there will be a, a great opportunity. Okay. Turn to Mark chapter 16, please, in your Bible. Mark 16. Now, you may be wondering, I thought we were done with Mark 16. Almost. Well, we'll come back to that. Now, as you're turning, do I have some good news for you? So if you were here for Christmas Eve, and we had bunches of people here Sunday night, Monday night, uh, we had an opportunity uh, for the month to be praying about, Lord, how might we give in order to be ready to meet the needs in this community in the coming year? It was a, a readyosity tree, and folks put their gift in an envelope and put it in the tree. Have, have any of you wondered, I wonder how much money was put in the readyosity tree? Any of you wonder? Ah, I'm surprised. I thought lots more of you would wonder. You should be more curious. Because I I I kept asking, hey, how much? How much? How much? How much? And they finally got around a couple of days later to let me know that in the Rediosity tree, $648. No, that's not true. 
Because some of you are going, what? I thought it'd be more than that. Uh, our kids almost gave $400 in their kids' boxes. Uh, $6,489 in that radiosity tree that we'll be able to get to. So, I mean, that's very exciting. Okay, thanks. Except that was only a tenth of it. Six, almost $65,000 are in that little tree. Yeah. Whoops. Can you, wow. Well, praise the Lord for the security guard at the Christmas tree, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, now some of you are, I have no idea what the radiosity tree was. It was simply an opportunity for us as a body to say, and according to our teaching from 2018, First Timothy 6, let those in this world who are rich, not to be conceited to put their hope in riches, but in God, who supplies us with all things to enjoy, to be generous, and here it was, ready to share. Because sometimes we take all of our giving and we designate it, and then we see a need, and we're like, ah, I wish I could help, but I've already like marked it all. And so going into 2019, I praise the Lord because of you, uh, as a body, as the Lord brings needs into this community, $65,000 to be ready to be generous, ready to be the provision of Jesus in people's lives. How awesome is that? That is awesome. So I praise the Lord because of you. So now we feel this incredible stewardship. Ah, oh, Lord, what are you going to bring? How will we use it so that people will see not only a bill paid, and, and I'm not minimizing that, not only a bill paid, but the God who loves them behind that bill paid. So let's pray that that's what God would do. So Lord, I do praise you because of the generosity of your people. Just a fresh reminder, Lord, you're so gracious. You are generous, God. And for us to be in this coming year, to be your your hands, your feet, your provision to be the blessing of God in very real, tangible ways like Jesus really was meeting real needs when he was on this planet. So would our eyes be up and our ears open and our hearts attentive, Lord. We wouldn't run ahead or shrink back, but we would be in step with you as this body listened to you and gave generously and Lord, we rejoice that this above and beyond your meeting of our budget. So, wow, thank you, God. And thank you for the privilege that the coming year will hold. And we ask very specifically that those who are helped would find you, the God who is their help. In a very real and personal relationship. So thank you in advance, Lord, for how you will use those resources. Uh, we bless you as you've blessed us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So great joy. So you're open to Mark 16. And you thought we were done. But I did a little head fake because we got right to the end and then we stopped. In fact, the Sunday and the Thursday before Christmas, here's what we looked at. 
Verse 19, so then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. We looked at the, very weirdly, we looked at the ascension on the Sunday where we would normally be talking about the incarnation. We looked at God going up when most churches were looking at God coming down. And I sought to convince you, whether you agreed with me or not, that the, actually maybe the ascension was even better than the incarnation. That God going up was even better than God coming down for a couple of reasons. If I'd sum them up, it'd be this. Number one, because with us is good, in us is great. And Jesus said, unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. But if I go, then the helper will come and he will not be with you. He will be in you. He'll be with you by being in you. And Jesus said, I've done great things. If you believe in me, You'll do, no, strike that. He says, even greater things than I've done, you'll do also. And then he says this, because I go to the Father, because I ascend to the right hand of the Father, then I will do my work through you. And I sought to convince you that it's great to observe the work of God, but it's even better to participate in the work of God. Participation is always better than observation. Ask any NFL player if they wish they were playing today on playoff Sunday versus watching on playoff Sunday, and they go, man, we wish we were still playing. Uh, Do you believe that, that participating in the work of God is better than observing the work of God? Yes or no? Yeah, I believe it. And if you have done it, you go, you believe it even more. In fact, the more you participate in the work of God, the more you believe that participation is better than just observing. So God is doing great things, and we have the incredible privilege to participate. And here is why I saved verse 20 to launch us in 2019. And they went out and preached everywhere. Now, pause before we look at the rest of the verse. Why in the world did they go out and preach everywhere? <laughs> yeah, because that's what he told him to do. Verse 15, if you, if you want to draw a line from verse 20 back to verse 15, verse 15, he just said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So what'd they do? Huh, he went to heaven and they went out and preached everywhere. They did exactly what he said. And what does he do? While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. In other words, Jesus continued to work, but not in the way that he had been working. He now worked how? Through them. You see, sometimes we, we came to the end of the gospel and we go, okay, man, that was great. That was awesome, but Jesus is done. No, 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 no. The gospel of Mark reminds us that it ends, that the work of Jesus is not done. Verse 20 reminds us it's just done differently. That he has ascended to the Father, but he has sent the Spirit so that while they went out and preached, it was God who was still doing the work. Do you see that? That it was, they were not doing the miraculous. Jesus was doing the miraculous. It was God who was doing the miraculous through them. And so this is the launching. This is what I love. Verse 20, verse 20 talks about basically now for all of us right now in our present, 2019, that we still live in this, this environment where the work of God is not done. It's just done differently. It's done now 
by him through us. Remember this from last year, if you were here? If not, man, if you're here new this morning, this is awesome. The Christian life is the life he lived then. Live now. How? By him in us. See, that's Mark 16, 20. It's Jesus going, I, I, I came to seek and to save the lost, but now as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And the work that I do, you're going to do an even greater work than I did because I go to the Father. So they went out and did exactly what he said, and he did exactly as he promised, exactly how we define abiding in John 15. That abiding is doing what God said in the confidence that he'll do as he promised. He said, go out and preach. They went out and preached. He said, I promise I'll be with you, and I'll be at work through you. And he was. And as we saw last week, if you missed it, this growing light that started as a single light in Bethlehem, there became 120 lights and more and more lights, more and more life as people heard and believed and were born again. See, when it says that here, go back, it says, and they went out and preached everywhere. It's fascinating. It doesn't necessarily say what they preached, but what do we know? What did the, they preach? What is of first importance that Jesus died for our sins? was buried and rose again on the third day. See, have you ever heard two people tell the same story and one's an awesome story and the other is like, huh, sleeper? But it was the same story. But some people just tell a good story really badly. Are you with me? You may be going, yeah, I'm one of those guys. (laughs) Some of us tell a really good story badly. And I think actually some of us tell us a really good story called the gospel actually really badly. Now, what I, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to remind us how good the story really is. Because it's bigger and better than we often tell it. In just a few minutes, the story begins, Genesis 1 and 2, where, where God gives us a picture of perfect union, Perfect union between God and man. Now, if you have a message memo and you like to take notes, there's now a reason I gave you the top half blank. It's to be able to fill this in if you want. If not, no problem. But this perfect union in Genesis 1 and 2 is this perfect relationship that God had with man. They, they had a perfect relationship in friendship, walking. God created them In his image, he created the earth and he said, I want you to rule and have dominion over it. And this is usually what we talk about when we talk about what God intends. But watch, look up here. It's bigger and better than that. See, relationship with God, perfect union with God is also in Genesis 1 and 2, a picture where people are in perfect relationship with self and with one another and with the earth that God had given them to rule and have dominion over. See, and I know maybe you're busy trying to write that down, but don't miss the beauty of what God had created. God had created us, yes, to have relationship with him, but that we in relationship with him would also have perfect relationship with one another. What did it say of Adam and Eve? They were naked and unashamed. And work 
Work on the earth was not a burden. Work on the earth was a privilege to be productive as God is one who works and is productive, created in his image, that they were blessed to be able to be fruitful and multiply and rule and have dominion over the earth. See the beauty of, of what God had created, not just this. And I'm not diminishing that. Don't misunderstand me. It's just not this. What God had intended for humanity was all of this. That's the beauty of the full big story. See, if you miss that, you miss the fact of the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. See, I think that's the word that you and I can really connect with. That as Adam and Eve lived in Genesis 1 and 2 in relationship with God, there was peace with God. There was peace with one another. There was what you and I desperately long for, internal, inner peace. And there was peace in their work and in their function. It was beautiful. It was perfect. It was what God intended. And if we miss the fullness, if we diminish it only to this, we miss the fullness of the beauty of what God has done in creating us as in his image, man and women, to be in relationship with him, but with one another, at peace with ourselves and productive. See, if, if we don't see this, then we miss the horrible devastation of Genesis 3 and the brokenness that enters the world. Genesis 3 tells us of a brokenness that happens between God and man, that they then hid from the one that they had walked with, that they were removed from the garden that he had placed them in because they could no longer be in perfect relationship with a holy God. But the brokenness, did it extend beyond this? Yeah. What's the, uh, they had been naked and ashamed and then they sinned, disobeyed, and what they do? They immediately clothed themselves because now there was shame and there was brokenness between Adam and Eve. And that brokenness that happened between one another was a reflection of an inner brokenness. Don't miss this, folks. The awfulness of sin is not only what it does in relationship to God, but what it does to your marriage and what it does to your family and what it does inside you and what it does and how you try to function in life and be productive and work. This is, this is why we are so frustrated so much because we live now on an on a earth that's groaning, it says, under the brokenness, the, the fractured nature of sin. It's why you hate to start a project because nothing's ever easy. It's why you're constantly frustrated because now instead of having rule and dominion, it feels like you're fighting against it. So they, they cover themselves and then their son kills their other son. And it's the beginning of violence that still fills our earth today. And really, 
you do recognize that when you blow up at your wife and when you blow up at your kids and when you uh, have sinful anger towards somebody, when you're violent towards somebody else, that's an overflow of a brokenness that's happening in your own heart. And that brokenness is revealed in all its ugliness when people cannot find relief and they start cutting themselves and taking their lives, trying to control with eating. It's just a reflection of the brokenness. See, as good as Genesis 1 and 2 is, the the brokenness of Genesis 3. But God, but God, but God so loved the world that Colossians 1 says that it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, that in him there is in Christ, that in this baby born in Bethlehem, that Jesus would be God, fully God, wrapped in human flesh, who would be one who would grow and live out relationship with God and relationship with others as God had intended man to live. And he did it so that his verse 20, the next verse says, that through him to reconcile what? Oh man, say that. All things to himself. That he would reconcile all things to himself, having made shalom, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, that Jesus God in human flesh died to take, as we said, a first important, died for our sins, was buried and raised again in order to reconcile what? All things. So understand that when Jesus reconciles, it is a relationship with God. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That is the work of the cross. But folks, is it a even bigger story than that. Yes, he died. Not only that we might be restored, reconciled to God, but he has reconciled all things to himself. He has reconciled us so that we might be restored in our relationship with others so that you really might have a capacity now, having been reconciled to God, to engage in relationship with your spouse as God intended you to relate to your spouse, with your kids as God intended you to, to be, as Jesus said, the mark of our following of him that we've been reconciled to God by him is that we would love. See, the power of the cross is not just vertical, it's horizontal, it's relational, and it's inward. Understand, when you've been reconciled to God, Jesus then says, listen to me, don't worry about anything. Do you hear that? That's That's not to the whole world. That's to the children of God. Don't worry about anything. Here's his reason. Your heavenly father. See, not all the world knows him as heavenly father. Everyone will know him as Lord God Almighty, but only those who have trusted in Jesus will know him as heavenly father. And he says to you this morning, 
Be reconciled to God that you might not only have your sin forgiven, but your relationship restored and be at peace within. He has reconciled all things so that you might even be reconciled in your relationship to being productive so that regardless of whatever you, whether you teach or you lead or you program a computer or you sell or you're a doctor, whatever you do, you do it with all your heart unto the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. It's no longer in vain because what does Jesus reconcile? Verse 20, what does it say? He reconciles all things to himself. It is a, uh, man, I'm asking the Lord to open our eyes to the bigger, better story of the reconciliation of Jesus in our lives because that when we miss it, then we go, I'm right with God, but my marriage is a wreck. And see, that doesn't add up. When we're right with God, that reconciliation is to bring then oneness in marriage. It's not perfect. As Jonathan so excellently taught last week, that we would know him, what? More. And the more we would know him, we'd have more life, right? Because the more we know him, the more we experience the reconciliation of Jesus, the more life we experience. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Don't you ever long in your heart to go, I want life abundant. I want to live in the fullness of what God promised in my marriage and in my family and with my neighbors. And when I go to work, whatever I do to go, I did it to the glory of God and it mattered. It, was, it wasn't in vain. What I do isn't meaningless. See, Jesus, rightly titled the Prince of Peace, because Jesus reconciles all things to himself. The Prince of Peace has made it away so that we can have peace with God and peace with ourselves and peace with others and peace on earth. It's a bigger, better story than we normally talk about. You with me? Hope so. As I think in your heart and my heart, this a longing. A longing that God has placed there to be reconciled. This is why. This is why maybe it's January 6th and, and you don't come to church for a long time, but you went, man, my, my life's just not working. I need to go to church. Where did that ever come from? Where's that thought? That's not your mama talking. <laughs> It's actually you created an image of God that, that's been broken, fractured. But that's God drawing you back to himself that you might be restored to him and not just restored to him, restored in your marriage, restored in your relationship. So as you sit here this morning, 
Are you at peace? Maybe you're going, I'm not at peace with God, or I don't know about that. I'm just not at peace with my spouse. <laughs> I don't know about, I'm not, but I am just churning constantly on the inside. Peace is in a person, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who has reconciled all things to himself. I want to invite you, because listen, it says, and they went out and preached everywhere. And they told the full story, not just of reconciliation with God, but that Jesus, by his death, burial, and resurrection, was making all things new. All things. Making you new. Making your relationships new. Making your job, not a new job, but a new job. Because of who you are. And God was working with them so that people were hearing and believing. And here's, here's what else they were preaching. That peace is free. See, so many of us want it, but we think we can't afford it or we can't find it. And the beauty of the offer of Jesus to you this morning is he says, come to me who all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That you would humbly, and that's, that's sometimes the stumbling block for you. You'd humbly say, God, I cannot do this myself. I've tried every which way I know to get my own life in order, to resolve my own issues and I can't. I need your son Jesus to do for me what I could not do for myself and receive it as a gift. If you receive the gift of the Prince of Peace, if you haven't, I invite you. If you've got questions, just hang out afterwards and go, I heard what she said. God was like pounding on them, but I, I got some concerns. Just ask. That's the beauty of the message. It's a good story, isn't it? Oh, man, I wish we would learn to share it because the more we know it, the more life we have, and the more life we have, the more we want to tell it, and the more we want to tell it, more people want to hear. That's, that's, that's what was happening. This is why I love Mark 16, 20. It's why we've saved it for the launch of this year, that we would be... Because what it says there is we're still a part of that, that we would still be going everywhere. That's why I had you, you write a name on this invitation because we still have the opportunity to be a part with God at work in us so that more would discover Jesus who is our peace. So I have a very specific prayer that I'm gonna invite you to pray with me, not just today, but all for the coming year. I'm going to want you to write it down. So get ready. You're going to have a question about it. I promise you that you're going to have a question about it. Don't get lost in the question. I'll try to answer it. But here's, here's the prayer. It begins like this. Father, by your grace and power that work through us, Father, 
by your grace and power at work through us. And we say it that way because it's only by his grace, his power, that this will happen. Here specifically, Father, by your grace and power at work through us, would at least 110 more people believe in Jesus and be baptized in 2019. I see some of you writing. Father, by your grace and power that work through us, would at least 110 more people believe in Jesus and be baptized in 2019? Now, if you're wondering, why is that our prayer? Well, because 20 months in the gospel of Mark, and how did it end? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. They'll have life, peace. So what's our prayer? Father, by your grace and power, work through us with at least 110 more people believe in Jesus and be baptized. Can you get on board with that prayer? Okay, but what's the question? Why 110? In fact, some of you are gonna get stuck. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even get that number. I don't like that number. I don't even think we should have a number. I, I, I'm serious. I've tested this. And people are like, I don't like the number. So let's agree with this. If I took the number off, just put the number aside, would you agree that you would want to pray, Father, by your grace and power, work through us, would more people believe in Jesus and be baptized in 2019? Would you be in for that? Yes? Okay, so what about the stupid number? Where where'd the number come from? So I was last month walking in the woods. No, I'm just playing. That's not where the number comes from. No tree spoke to me. I didn't hear a voice from heaven, okay? So uh, that's very important. Uh, there is no, this is a number from God. That's very important. I didn't go up in a tower and hear a number, okay? Seriously, very important that you hear that. I didn't, I didn't get that number from God. The elders didn't get that number from God because if we got it from God, then we're saying God will do this and if he doesn't, you're gonna throw rocks and kill me. And we don't, that's so, do you hear me? We're not doing that. That'd be a false prophet. So where did the number come from? In 2018, 80 people were baptized at Christian Family Chapel. Well, that's, yeah, that's good. Here's the reality of that. Precious few, way less than 10% of them, had actually believed in Jesus in 2018 and been baptized in 2018. The vast majority of those 80 people had made a profession of faith many years before and only were catching up in their obedience, if you will, in being baptized. And I'm, don't misunderstand me, I'm very grateful and praise the Lord for people obeying the Lord in baptism. But it wasn't because new people believed and found Jesus as the Prince of Peace. So what I am saying to you is if whatever you thought of, whether there should be a number or not, or what the size of the number is, I am saying to you, it is a wildly large number given our history. If you're visiting with us, you may think, do you guys do this every year? <laughs> Never in our history have we ever said this is our prayer. So why this year? All I can tell you is this, 20 months in the Gospel of Mark. I want you to keep hearing that. 20 months in the gospel of Mark, 
finished with, go and preach the gospel. And what? He went to heaven and they went out and he worked. Is that still happening today? Yes, it is, folks. Do you think God wants that to happen through us? Yes. So here's how we came up with the number. We said, Lord, if for every 10 of us, you give us another one. That's what we're asking for. For every 10 of us, would you give us another one? For every 10 of us, would you give us another one? So, here's why we're afraid. Here's why some of you don't like the number. What if it doesn't happen? Am I guaranteeing it will? No, I'm not. But when we come to the end of December, whatever the number is, I'm still going to say, <laughs> if it was less than 110, it wasn't because we didn't ask. It's our prayer. It's not our goal. It's our prayer. It's why we ask. Because do we have, do we have the capacity to make 110 people believe and be baptized? No, no. That is only by the work of God's grace and personal. And so we're going to ask. And that's why we say, for at least, we're going to ask. Are you with me? I hope so. And by the way, if even after hearing all that, you go, I don't like the number. You know what would, you know what typical church people do? They argue about the number and never pray. So let's not be stupid. Seriously. It, if you don't like the number, forget it. Just pray. More people. If you like the number, because it was an even split. People didn't like the number. People love the number. Why don't you like the number? Because it's not up to us. I know it's not up to us. But we're going to add. That's why it's our prayer. Oh, I love the number. Why do you love a number? Because it gives us something to very specifically ask the Lord for. And I agree with that. Because a bunch of you say you're going to lose weight, but if I ask you how much, ooh, I don't know if I want to answer that one. Why? Because if you ask how much, then I have to stand on the scale now, and I have to stand on the scale now, and there's going to be some accountability. That I don't, yeah. Let's just keep it fuzzy. Give us more, Lord. <laughs> Not more of this. That was the wrong time to say. <clears throat> now, be very specific. Give us, Lord. Give us more, more life, Lord. More life. That's asking. In the confidence, in confidence, this confidence, that praying for more life is asking the Father for what he desires and deserves. See, every dad in the room knows it's always better when the kids ask me for something that I want to give them. And it's what he wants. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. If you don't, here's what the scripture says. Couldn't be more clear. I desire that none perish, but all come to repentance. That's not my idea. That's straight out of the scriptures. It's what he desires. And it's what he deserves. He deserves praise from every person on the planet. He is 
the reason we exist. He has demonstrated the greatness of his love for all the world that he sent his son, that whoever would believe, wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. He deserves it, yes? Yeah. See, the reason the the people of God show up on a Sunday morning and we sing songs off the wall (laughs) is because he deserves it. That's why when when we come and we engage, I want us to engage with all of our heart because he deserves it. And some are not declaring it. He desires it and he deserves it. So we're asking, Lord, for every 10 of us, would there be one more here who would be giving you the praise you deserve in the coming year? Uh, We pray with confidence because Jesus already promised this is what he is going to do. He, He said, I'm going to build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There will be from every tongue and tribe and people and nation those who worship God in heaven for all eternity. He is going to build his church. And folks, hear me clearly. Jesus is going to do it, either with us or without us. And I choose with us. And I think, I think in your heart, you're going, Lord, I want to be a, participation is better than observation. Being, being an instrument in and through which God works is always the greater privilege. It's great to see God at work, but, but here's the deal with the radiosity tree. We had like 150 people put their, well, as far as we know, 150 different envelopes in there. And this is not a shot at anybody who didn't put the envelope in there. It's just the reality is those who put the envelope were probably more excited about the number and they'll be even more excited when they see people's needs met because they go, I got to be a part of that. It's just the way it goes. When you have ownership, you have greater joy in it. And Jesus is going to do it. And when we ask... We do so with the confidence knowing that when we ask that this is what God would do, then we are also availing ourselves for him to work through us, right? (laughs) We don't get to ask and say, God, well, like Moses did, God, here am I, send Aaron. (laughs) Oh, Lord, this person, this person, and I'm available. To begin by simply saying, hey, when I heard about this, I thought about you. and Just thought maybe you'd attend. If not, no problem. We'd say, Lord, I'm available. Because Mark 16, 20, why we saved it? They went out and preached everywhere. And what did God do? Exactly what he promised. He did the work. He confirmed the word. See, God is working in this world, and he still works through people. So remember this. We, we talked about this word last year, bless. And it, it begins with prayer. When we're a blessing to our community, it begins with prayer. That's why we're starting with, here's our prayer for 2019. But it didn't stop with prayer. It then begins to say, uh, I'm going to do what Jesus did and then I'm going to be with people and I'm going to listen to people and not just 
Listen, I'm going to share a meal with folks. Last year, we, uh, Shirley, who uh, uh, plays keyboard for us every week, I loved her story last year, said, man, I invited my, my neighbors into my house, had a meal with them. Remember that video? Totally different than talking on the street with them to have them around the meal. If you haven't done it, try it. That's been our experience as well. It's one thing to yuck it up at the end of the driveway. It's another thing to have a conversation around a meal. We actually got places in that conversation that we had never got to at the end of the driveway. So we listen, we eat, we serve, because Jesus said, I, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many. And then we, we say, Lord, I'm available. I get chicken at times, but I, I want to be ready to speak to share that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That through Jesus you can have peace with God, peace with self, peace with one another, peace on earth. Do you believe that? Yeah, see the gospel ultimately is a message that needs to be declared. They went and they preached, they declared a message. So when we pray about it, we're not just gonna say, we're gonna sit in this room and pray about it. We're gonna pray about it and then we're gonna say, Lord, we're available. Recognizing. See, we ask because we can't make it happen. Uh, please don't email me this week and say, I don't like the number. We can't make it happen. I know, I know, I know, I know. We can't make it happen. That's why we are asking. That's why we are praying. Praying for is admitting, I can't make it happen. I can't make my co... Uh, not for me. Because uh, I don't have any co-workers who aren't Christ followers. But I can't make my neighbors walk with Jesus. If I could, I would. Honestly, if I could, I would. But I can't. But I can be available and then say, Lord, you got you to turn the light on like you did for me. So we pray in the confidence. I can't do it, but Lord, I'm a co-laborer with you, available to you. And we pray anticipating greater joy. <laughs> Remember in Luke 15, where Jesus tells the three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. When each of them is found, what happens? Party. And Jesus said, hey, there's a party in heaven every time there's one found. What are we saying? Or we're asking for at least 110 parties in heaven through CFC this year. Because parties are more joy. You with me? I, it's hard for me to imagine if for every 10 of us there was one more in December who were sitting here with the joy of the Lord of the Prince of Peace transforming their lives. More people, part of this body. As I was thinking about anticipating greater joy, sitting in my desk last month preparing this, uh, I looked up and I saw this picture from 1985. It sits on my filing cabinet. Jackie and I, before we were married at Columbia, um, but because it, it says everything. We're young, dumb, in love, and, and we're just, <clears throat> we think this is, this is as good as it gets. But then right beside that picture, right there in my filing cabinet, just to the right of it, is a picture 20 years later of that. <laughs> That's our six kids, our three boys, our three girls. Trust me, when we were there, we never imagined that. 
This is above and beyond what we ask or thought or even imagined. <laughs> we asked for some of it, and then we got more and more. But I'll tell you what, I, I had, it was because of our limited, full, our great foolishness, our limited insight that we, reckon, we, we missed that more life equals greater joy. Recognize that? See, some of you do because your parents, and you go, more life's greater, your grandparents, more life is greater joy. And some of you are going, no, the sadness is in my heart because I don't know that. And see, you do know it. More life equals greater joy. So this summer, just gets getting more joyful. <laughs> Two became eight, became 16, and 17's now on the outside instead of the inside and 18's on the inside of another one. More life is greater joy. You experience it. More life is greater joy, right? And folks, if it's true physically with a family, it's gonna be a hundred million hundred thousand fold more spiritually with a spiritual family and a Jesus who is the prince of peace who will be our life more life is more joy so are you in would you pray could you pray with me Father, by your grace, power, work with us. Can you pray with me? 110 more. Who, who's in? I understand if, you, if you're still reliant. So you were putting out your hand up. You're saying, I'm going to pray that. Not just stay, but that's going to be my prayer. I'm going to pray with you guys. Who's in? All right. Pray it with me together. First time, hopefully of thousands of times this year. Out loud with me. Father, by your grace and power, work through us. Would at least 110 more people believe in Jesus and be baptized in 2019? A little scary. But great joy ahead. But it all begins with people in darkness who God turned on the light. That's what he did for us. So I want you to stand and let's declare that our hope, our only hope, all we have in this is Christ. Let's declare this together. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy and life had led me to I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost you looked upon my helpless state 
and led me to the cross and I beheld God's love displayed you suffered in my place you bore the wrath reserved for me now all I know is grace hallelujah all I have is Christ hallelujah Jesus is my life now Lord I would be yours alone and live so all might see the strength to follow your commands could never come from me oh father use my ransom life in any way you choose and let my song forever be my only boast is you hallelujah All I have is Christ, hallelujah, Jesus is my life, hallelujah, all I have is Christ, hallelujah. Jesus is my life. There's no greater story than that, that right? Jesus is my life. Uh, that's a story I'm not ashamed of, and it's a story I want to declare. It's the story I want others to be able to know that Jesus is their life. And so if, if we can pray for you in any way, this morning, it's really one of our, our greatest privileges is that we have folks who are gathered uh, right here, here in north, here in south, just right out here, with prayer. You, you might know Jesus as your life and that we would then go and make him known as our life. If you're a guest, we'd love to greet you over at the table, but really glad that you're here with us. God bless and have a great week.